0: Are entering the Freedom Hut.
1: The witches are real, they say. Indictments handed down today about Russian hacking, getting into some of the uh, DNC emails, and looking at some other things that they did. We'll talk to you about the details here. It is not what the left is saying. It certainly doesn't prove, or even get anywhere near proving, collusion. Plus, Trump is shaking up things in the UK and in advance of a major summit with Putin. We got a lot to discuss today in the Freedom Hut. Join me on the Buck Sexton Show here in just a moment. This,
0: this is the Buck Sexton, Sexton, Sexton Show. Where the mission, where mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Russian.
2: One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. You're a great American again.
0: The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former
3: CIA analyst. Former member
2: of the NYPD.
3: Buck
0: Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now.
3: One of those defendants and a 12th Russian military officer are charged with conspiring to infiltrate computers of organizations involved in administering elections, including state boards of election, secretaries of state, and companies that supply software used to administer elections. According to the allegations in the indictment, the defendants worked for two units of the main intelligence directorate of the Russian general staff, known as the GRU. The units engaged in active cyber operations to interfere in the 2016 presidential election.
1: Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. There you had the big news of the day. Rod Rosenstein, the one and only, who uh, is out there talking about more indictments against Russians who will never actually face justice anywhere. So I guess this makes us feel good because the notion is that we will uh, hold Russians accountable by saying mean things about Russians none of us have ever heard of who are never going to set foot in a U.S. court or a Russian court, for that matter. You heard there the mention of the Russian GRU, uh, more similar to our DIA, our Defense Intelligence Agency. The Russians have a few different agencies. They have the SVR, their foreign intelligence arm, which is the CIA of Russia. They have the FSB, which is kind of like Homeland Security and the FBI put together. Better known as the Federal Negoslozba Bezopleznasty. I know, right? It's fun to say. And also the GRU, which I don't know even now how to say that acronym, but it's basically the Russian equivalent of the DIA or our Defense Intelligence Agency. Uh, And they, so military intelligence. They're saying military intelligence in Russia was involved in the hacks. So military intelligence from a country with thousands of nuclear weapons was involved in setting up some Facebook puppets and doing some phishing schemes. I mean, really, the, the technology and the, uh, the level of sophistication here is somewhat similar to what you would see in a Nigerian prince email scam. right? Remember those? I think they're called 419 scams where it's like, just give me your bank account information and I will give you all of my millions of dollars. Guys, pro tip, they will not give you millions of dollars. It's not gonna happen. Just so you know. You know, you know, millions and millions of dollars in America have been lost to that, that scheme, right? That scam. Although the scamsters have gotten more much more sophisticated now. Anyway, so everyone's all, oh, look at this. Now let's break down what really matters here, shall we? You got 12 Russians indicted. Ooh. Nothing, though. Nothing at all about changing votes or collusion. Don't take my word for it. Listen to listen to
3: R.R., Rod Rosenstein himself. County 11 charges two defendants for a separate conspiracy to access computers without authorization and to damage those computers in connection with efforts to infiltrate computers used to administer elections. Finally, the indictment seeks the forfeiture of property involved in the criminal activity. There's no allegation in this indictment that any American citizen committed a crime. There's no allegation that the conspiracy changed the vote count or affected any election result. Didn't affect the election. No collusion.
1: Or as Trump would say, no collusion. (laughs) Just like that. Same idea. But everyone's now saying, oh, it's not a witch hunt because they found witches. Well... If you had read Nunez's, not to be confused with Nunez, as some of you have pointed out to me, the accent there is very important over the E. If you had read Nunez's report from the Congress many months ago, this is not new. There's nothing new. This, this is a much less big news story than most of the people reporting on it seem to think it is. We did Okay, so we found out some more that there's Russian individuals. They managed to track them down. Here's a couple of things you're not going to hear from other news sources Here's where they're not going to tell you at the other places. But I'll tell you, first of all, uh, we have to take all this on faith. Now, I'm not saying that they could they're fabricating this in the DOJ, but I'm saying we do not get provided with the strength of the evidence uh, for this because we will not be provided with the evidence at all. They will say that the way they know these Russian guys did it and only Russian guys did it is classified, highly classified. We will never be told. We will never see it. We will never know. So just understand, we are taking now the DOJ's word on this is exactly what happened. I'm not saying they're lying. I'm just saying we are entirely at at, taking them at their word. There's no other way to put it because they are not going to show you the way that they uh, looked at the digital footprints here and, and put it all together. And some of that's legitimate, probably all of it's legitimate, but keep that in mind because the DOJ has been very shady on a bunch of other things, as we know, including writing an entire report about bias and then saying, but there's no bias. Oh, there's bias. There's definitely bias. So um, that's one component of this. And then the other is timing. Which is important for oh, so many things in life. The president of the United States is set to meet with the Russian premier on Monday. Does anyone listening to this right now think that it is a coincidence that mere days before the president of the United States is set to meet with his Russian counterpart? The Mueller probe releases this indictment of 12 individuals announced with some fanfare on the, this is effectively on the business day before Trump's meeting with Putin. Anyone think this is a, this is an accident? Come on. The timing here is not a shot across the bow, it's a shot into the bow. This is the bureaucracy at war with the presidency, or at least a portion of the bureaucracy at war with the presidency. Showing them, yeah, you want to you play rough? We'll play rough too. We've got our own ways of pushing back and fighting back. I, and look, I think that some part of this was also in response to the the treatment that they gave struck, who looked very shifty and very shady to a lot of us. So the uh, the bureaucracy. Claps back, you could say, fights back here. Um, and now you're hearing all kinds of just the most. uh the most out outrageous claims. People are saying that, that Trump should should bail on his meeting and that if he doesn't, you know, he's some kind of a, of a puppet. Uh, they're ta- first of all, they're calling this Facebook puppet stuff, this influence campaign by the Russians, an act of war.
3: President Trump's response would be, we know you did it. We want you to turn the, the 12 people in Russia to over to us to be tried, be tried. They'll have a presumption of innocence to see if they can interfere with our elections. And if they did, they should meet, have justice meted out to them. And if he refuses to do that or says he won't, he should end the summit and take off. This was an act of war. He is our foe. He's an enemy. He's a crook. He is directly responsible for the GRU. The GRU answers to him. He should just as well have been indicted.
1: There you go. You got a member of Congress saying, indict Vladimir Putin. Yeah. That's a wise thing. That's a smart move. That's... Folks, I- I'm here to give you some some real talk on this, right? Some historical context as well. People are losing their minds on this. People who know nothing of international relations or geopolitics in any meaningful sense. Wasn't Steve Cohen the guy who just yesterday said that Strzok should get a purple heart and he wished he could get him a purple heart? Which he got hammered for, rightly so, for saying something so stupid and disrespectful. Uh, but we had U.S. presidents meeting with Soviet premiers while the entire Soviet state apparatus was dedicated to undermining us, interfering in our elections, encircling us militarily, putting nukes on our doorstep and threatening us with annihilation. And we still had meetings with the Soviet premier because you don't really have a choice. You know, you, you can decide that you're not going to have a diplomatic relationship with zimbabwe you can decide until they get enough nukes that you're not going to have a diplomatic relationship with north korea you can't decide that you're going to freeze out russia it's just not realistic it's just not never mind smart diplomacy it's not possible diplomacy it's not something you can really do and all of the talk that you're hearing now from people is so very very reckless um things like Adam Schiff saying that we should put off this meeting on Monday and snub Russia's president. Here's, I mean, Schiff is, I don't know who's more distasteful, struck, or Adam Schiff in the Congress. They both leave you with the feeling that you have to take a shower just after hearing enough from them. Ew, gross. But here is Schiff himself on the call now. Because remember, the bureaucracy released this information about the indictments right before Trump's Putin meeting. You have this call to put off the meeting because now is the, the absolute peak of the pressure. Not an accident, folks. Here's what Schiff says.
0: None of us have any confidence in what he'll say during that meeting. Uh, it has to be of concern, I think, to all Americans that the president want this meeting wants this meeting to take place uh, out of the earshot of any witnesses. Um, and the president, by framing it, that, okay, I will ask Putin about it. We don't need to ask Putin about it. The evidence is ironclad. So, yes, I think we, the president, frankly, ought to cut his losses with this uh, this disastrous trip to Europe, uh, not make it worse by a friendly meeting with Vladimir Putin on the heels of yet another indictment of Russia.
1: That's just all partisan claptrap. Just all garbage from Adam Schiff. But, you know, that's he's been one of the insinuating collusion with no evidence guys one of the worst offenders on that all along so so i I can't say i'm even the least bit surprised that here he is giving terrible advice on the diplomatic front to what trump should do trump is trying to build a personal relationship with vladimir putin do i need to sit here and go over all the things that putin was doing while obama was president all the things that medvedev was doing as putin's puppet in putin's name while obama was president? Do we need to show photos of Sergey Lavrov, the foreign minister, and Hillary Clinton hitting the big red reset button? Do we need to play audio of Barack Obama telling Medvedev after his election he'll have more flexibility to basically sell out? Oh, we have that audio. Let's play it. This
0: so is my last election, please. this After my election, I have more flexibility. Yeah. Understand. Yeah. I transmit this information to Vladimir.
1: I'll, I'll transmit this information to Vladimir. I understand. Right. No, one's saying Obama was Putin's puppet or Medvedev's puppet or whatever. This is just it's all all about who people, what party you like, whether you're dear and are and all. There's no honesty in this analysis of what Trump's going through right now. He's trying to build a personal relationship with Putin. We already have sanctions against Russia. We have the Magnitsky Act in place with the Obama administration trying to squelch it by the way as i've told you which no one talks about but some of us actually read the books uh and you have the trump administration taking action that the obama administration flatly refused to do that challenges and punishes russia including with lethal force and yet then they're still running this storyline of it's uh you know he's he's putin's puppet they just won't stop I want I'm gonna, I'm gonna to push back on this stupidity, uh, and we'll hear from the president on some of this as well. Uh, I, I want to also talk about why they say these things and they don't say them about China and just how much the, the media is complicit in this false narrative of Trump being you know, the, the, the worst when it comes to dealing with Russia, when in fact he is already leaps and bounds ahead of his predecessor, Barack Obama. We'll discuss that and much more. It is Friday. We will at some point get into a bit of a freestyle. 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. We will be right back.
2: I didn't go with high expectations. I mean, we have, uh, we do have a a political problem where you know in the United States we have this stupidity going on, pure stupidity. But it makes it very hard to do something with Russia. Anything you do, it's always going to be oh Russia. He loves Russia. I love the United States, but I love getting along with Russia and China and other countries.
1: Funny because on the one hand, Trump gets hit for. Speaking too coarsely about our allies for for you know being too off the cuff, being too rough and tumble, all that stuff. Right? They'll say all that about him, and then then the next week it's oh he's too nice to dictators, he coddles dictators. There's there's no real foundation for these criticisms. It's just Trump hatred dressed up as analysis. This is what you get. It's what you get on Russia. It's what you get on so many things. You know he mentioned China there. I need someone to explain to me. How it's any different dealing with Russia and showing their president diplomatic respect, right? I, like, I'm not saying you have to say Putin's a great guy or a great leader or any of those things at all. I, I don't buy. I don't think it's a good idea. I don't buy into that. I get it. But I also don't think that Trump can be openly disrespectful to the leader of a country that is, you know, that covers, what, 11 time zones, has thousands of nuclear weapons, has over 100 million people. And you know there's a lot of stuff going on there. Right, has influence in the region in a way that we can't ignore. Right, Russia. You know, there's companies that are too big to fail. Russia's too big to ignore. It's also too big to just disrespect for no apparent reason, other than CNN trying to goad them into it. But China steals our intellectual property all the time. Steals our classified information whenever it can. Is engaged in constant espionage efforts against the United States. Is engaged in constant economic intrusions and cyber theft into our computer systems and private corporations is engaged in buying up resources so it can expand its military footprint in far flung regions of the world is a near peer economic and soon to be near peer military competitor to us has a terrible human rights record threatens our allies in the region constantly engage in bullying tactics. Should Trump just be like, hey, Xi Jinping, he's a punk, not going to meet with him. Would that be smart? I want to know why, you know, so much tough guy talk from the media over Russia. And then when I when I started to say, "Okay, well, what about China? Should he should he should he apply the same logic the media applies to Trump when it comes to Russia and Putin specifically? Why shouldn't that be applied to China? No, no answers. No, it's uh, because, you know, they just they've got nothing. Because this isn't really about what's best for the country. It's about finding a way to criticize the president of the United States, no matter what he does. And to undermine him, to undermine him on the world stage and to make it seem like he's some buffoon who doesn't know anything. When meanwhile, he's a better president than Obama ever was. Just that's just the truth. But just the bottom line, he's just better at this. And they hate him for it. They hate him even more now because he actually has results. He has 18 months in office to show. And he is better at doing this than Obama was. And they said Obama was a genius and was basically the savior of the United States.
2: I'm a very stable genius. Exactly well played
1: I so, know we got more on this I'm also going to talk to you about the you know Rosenstein I, I, this guy really he really ticks me off giving America America lecture we will have some fun stuff we'll talk about social justice warriors losing their minds a lot of uh, roll call coming up we've got we've got good good things so got many things going on here team many things I'm a stable genius too be right back
0: He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back.
3: Donald Trump is doing the things over in Europe that we've seen him do here in the United States, which is break up the status quo. Uh, I think most Americans are glad to see a president standing up for America, putting America first on the world stage, even with some of our allies who maybe haven't treated us Uh, perfectly fairly as the president would say Uh, and so you know all of this is a
2: negotiation though that ultimately I think will put the United States on a level playing field with uh, all of our partners around the world so uh, uh, I'm pleased with what he's done and uh, I'm excited about what he's about to do
1: how about that for a a version of what's going on here the president's actually trying to get things done You, you know what would be the easy move on his European trip, to show up there, meet with our allies, tell them what they want to hear, give the press conferences that people expect you to you know to have when you're the president, talk about the enduring friendship and the enduring allies and great things and working together and multilateralism and blah blah buzzword buzzword crap. Or you can show up there and be like, "All right, guys, we got some problems, right? You know, when when we I'll tell you this." You know, when you work on a TV show, for example, and afterwards you sit you sit down with everybody who works on the show, uh, you'll have a meeting often. And, you know, you say if it was a good show, you go, all right, everybody, good show. You know what happens after that? You go, this needs to be better, need to fix this, need to work on that. And no one sits there and goes, why are you so mean? It's a waste of time to sit there and talk about how awesome we all are. No and, You know, whether we're awesome or not, you know, that's, you know, the audience gets to decide, right? You have these meetings, these summits. We don't need to meet with allies and have this. Oh, well, let's all just be friends and talk about how long we've been friends. And, you know, yeah, you had the British thing and the meeting with the queen and all that stuff. I know people get excited about the pomp and circumstance. I don't really care. Trump shows up and he's like, hey, NATO, you guys got to get your act together. We got to pay more for your own defense here. All right? right. Let's 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 not rely on the United States to carry this load anymore for you guys. That will be better for everybody. And hey, Brexit. Guess what? going to be complicated but the british people voted for it and that's a good thing and yeah it's just i don't know i feel like there's a whole gener- we've there's a whole generation of people that have been or, or or multiple generations of people that have been led to think and they're the ones who are now calling the shots in media that presidents have to speak in this sterile boring monotonous droning fashion This this is why, and and really in some ways, Obama was kind of the height of that. Obama gave speeches that sounded good, but didn't mean anything. Obama gave speeches that people would point to and they'd say, oh, wow, listen to all the soaring rhetoric. But there was nothing in this speech that was important substantively. And when there was something that was substantive in the speech, it's usually something else like, oh, my gosh, did he just really say that? It was all style over substance. With Trump, they criticize him on the style, but the rest of us are looking at the substance and saying, "Well, yeah, he's trying to shake up things a bit with with Europe. He's he's addressing the problems that he sees, and he's trying to speak them to openly and honestly about it. And all he gets for it is a hard time. Oh, he's you know, he's destroying the Western alliance, destroying Western civilization, he's ruining everything. People are just crazy, and then they get people like uh, a- Andrea Mitchell." I know she's like royalty in the news media world, so there are these people that are just really connected, and why they're famous and why they have these perches to spout and pontificate they do is just, you know, it's more they they just happen to be sitting with the right kids in the lunchroom, if you know what I mean. It's not because they've had to wow everybody with their ability, but Andrea Mitchell over there has this to say.
2: This is a critical moment. He comes out of NATO, he's criticized Theresa May, he who is politically vulnerable given what's happened with Brexit and, and the resignation of her foreign minister, her foreign secretary, and he praises Boris Johnson, that foreign secretary, and a rival of Theresa May's and says that he would make a good prime minister. When have we last seen an American president interfere in a British election or any overseas election of an ally?
1: First of all, Obama and Israel, which a lot of you are probably like yelling right now. That's right. Yeah. The Obama administration was was openly opposed to Prime Minister Netanyahu. We all know this, right? There was a nasty and cold relationship between those two. So that's point one. Point two is now it seems now it seems to me to be that uh, anything that the president says is interfering. That that strikes me as a bit uh, as a bit crazy, as as a a standard that the president can't be held to. So he shared it. He says Boris Johnson, he was the foreign secretary. They're saying that he's not. So now he's not allowed to share his opinion on that either. I I just feel like there are all these artificial constraints and restraints on the president imposed by his political enemies. And we all just get sick of it after a while feels like it's just all based in in, in an effort to uh you know just just tear the president down I'd also say this by the way you know you know you know why they got so mad at him for talking about Germany being being owned by Russia when it comes to energy because it's true
2: it is a tragedy I think it's a horrific thing that's being done where you are feeding billions and billions of dollars from Germany primarily, and other countries, but primarily from Germany, into the coffers of Russia, when we're trying to do something so that we have peace in the world. I think it's a horrible thing that Germany's doing. I think it's a horrible mistake. I don't think it's good. You're not working from strength. You've given up all of your strength. Uh, I think it's very bad for Germany, very bad for the German people. And I don't think it's very good for NATO. You want another truth? So, okay.
1: You know what he's really saying here, folks? Is that because of German, largely environmentalist, loony left-driven decision making about nuclear power and getting rid of that? You know, I don't want that. But Be- because of German decision making and because of Germany's uh, energy needs and energy situation, we're always being told that tr- that Putin has so much influence over Trump. Putin has so much influence over Germany you know the, the yeah you could say a buck, but they have to they need to sell their oil okay but who do you think needs it more in the short term germans who have their homes to heat in the wintertime or the russians who've got to keep their their coffers full so they can pay their bills i mean it's he he's making a point here this this is germany's you know merkel and germany are the are the centerpiece economically it's really the industrial might of the eu And the fact that Russia's got them over a barrel on their energy is is something that we really do need to discuss and think about. And, you know, Trump will say it, you know, other people don't want to say other leaders haven't want to say, oh, it's so rude. It's so mean enough about the the diplomatic niceties, more about actually addressing and solving problems. I just think that's a much better way to go. And that's the way that this president handles things. So I, I want to just a little bit of a follow up on the struck Issue from yesterday. By the way, Lisa Page was testifying that I think it was behind closed doors, right? I saw that happening. Struck's lover from the F, you know, within the FBI the DOJ lawyer. Uh, but let's talk about Rosenstein and Struck, two pompous deep staters, and what they've got uh, going on here. And then Brexit and the UK and the Trump baby blimp. That's our two. Stay with me.
3: It's important for us to avoid thinking politically as Republicans or Democrats, and instead to think patriotically as Americans. Our response must not depend on which side was victimized. The internet allows foreign adversaries to attack America in new and unexpected ways. Free and fair elections are always hard fought and contentious. There will always be adversaries who seek to exacerbate our divisions and try to confuse, divide and conquer us. So long as we are united in our commitment to the values enshrined in the Constitution, they will not succeed. When you, when you bring up an integrity issue, and it's interesting, you and, and the gentleman from Texas raised this in a way that
0: almost you know, approaches it, 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 it is insulting. Gentlemen, answer the question. If you're going to, so, so what I'm going to respond to is what I'm saying. I am here under oath. I am not lying. I have never lied under oath, and I never will. And so, the insinuation—not even the insinuation—the direct comment that you somehow say you have an integrity issue is insulting. I, it, I take offense. It is incorrect. Nothing I've I never said mentioned your personal
3: life. I just simply said the amount of time that you were spending on the taxpayers' dollar, wasting it when you were supposed and to be doing your job, texting back and, and forth and to the sir, court is a problem. And, and, and so what I'm not, saying is, and, and the gentleman has already report. answered that.
1: It was a bad week for the DOJ. It really was. I, I know that people look at this through a very partisan lens. I get it, but that, that guy struck. I, it's just oleaginous, oily. Just Something about it. And when you think about how many times that guy sat in a room with people and was part of the process of jamming them up with criminal charges, deciding that they were going to get they were going to get nailed. Look, it it doesn't look good. You know, and and Rosenstein's whole holier than thou attitude. You know, where's my man Jeff Sessions? Come on, Jeff. I never should never should have recused himself. Loretta Lynch never recused herself in the Hillary email investigation, despite sitting on the tarmac with Bill Clinton. You know, it just—it never happened. She was involved in that. She had Obama's back the whole way, and Hillary's the whole way through. You know, the Democrats play to win. Republicans play to look like they play by the rules. I don't know what else to say. It's really disappointing. Uh, it, it's something you see time and again, and and that guy struck. He doesn't have an integrity issue. Well, he got kicked off of he got kicked off of the most high profile government investigation in the entire government because of his lack of integrity. So I, I think it's pretty rich for. But it's at this point, not, nothing has nothing has any truth. Nothing has any value anymore. It's all just it's all just what, whatever people whatever people believe whatever's going to make them feel good about this whole Russia collusion farce. I, they, they want to believe that somehow this guy struck. Oh, yeah, sure. He's texting all this stuff about it. And, and I'm, I'm hearing these other things. You know, the, the most powerful moment they're saying is when struck was like, well, sir, there's all these other people out there who can stop me from doing the Actually kind of sound like him. Uh, but, you know, he's saying that there were other people that were involved and he couldn't just go off and and uh, you know, go after the president on his own. That's really not how it works. He was a senior guy. He has a lot of discretion. He's opening investigations. He's looking for information. It's not that he didn't want to take Trump down. It's that he couldn't. But he was trying. There's a big difference, right? He was pushing in every way. They laundered the whole uh, dossier. They opened a FISA on friggin' Carter Page. I mean, Carter Page, they might I mean, This is... They might as well have had a Pfizer warrant open on like a high school kid who's writing a report on Russia. I mean, it's complete garbage. And they did everything they could as aggressively as they could to get something to take down Trump before the election and after the election. And because they were unsuccessful, because Strzok was, with help from some others, McCabe included, unsuccessful in that process, Now they're telling us, oh, well, clearly, you know, he he wasn't able to do anything. So, therefore, he wasn't trying to do anything. I mean, this is a tautology. It's BS. Also, don't forget, my friends, somebody, and I'm guessing a few people, leaked highly classified illegal information that only could have come from people with access to these DOJ and FBI proceedings at a high level, in order to take down Trump, and they actually did take down Flint. That was. Do we know who did that criminal leak yet? No, no, we don't. We don't know, do we? But somebody did. So, so you know, this, this all gets lost because this is all so stretched out. Because there's been so much time spent on this case and all the different politicizations of it. They want you to forget about the fact that some people in the government were willing to risk their freedom, betray their oath, and betray their country to hurt Trump. That's a fact. That's just the leaks I'm talking about now. Oh, you know You don't hear much about that right now. And you got struck up there. Oh, sir, I'm, I've never done anything that would ever, you know, the whole thing. It's just a complete farce. It's a lie. But yeah, you go after his integrity and they're all really upset at you. But I'm seeing CNN is just salivating over this as I'm on air, salivating. Over the prospect of uh, getting Roger Stone and get, well, they don't really care. The WikiLeaks. They like them when they like them. They don't like. And that's true. But a lot, a lot of people are not consistent with WikiLeaks. They like WikiLeaks when it's hitting people they don't like. They don't like WikiLeaks when it's hurting the U.S. government. Uh, but with Roger Stone, who I sat down with and, and interviewed, gosh, two weeks ago, and we asked him, we said, look, are you worried about criminal prosecution? He was like, yeah, I'm not going to say I'm not. I'm not going to say I'm not, which is interesting because I asked Carter Page and Carter Page is like, I'm going to talk to anybody. I did nothing. He's he speaks with the with the 100 percent certainty of somebody who knows that they've they're not even interesting enough to have violated the law. Right. He, he is absolutely sure of it. Uh, but Roger Stone, you know, I don't know if you've, I don't know if he broke the law or not, but I just know that he's he's leaving open the possibility he might have some legal issues. And they're very excited about that over at CNN. What they would be. I don't know. Uh, you know, this is also why when they when they talk about all this stuff, they go, oh, look, they got them on something. Yeah, but the uh, the issue of. Taxes, for example, is enough for them, they'll say, oh, look at all these indictments. No, no collusion indictments, as I've been saying to you, but it, it's not about it's not about really proving collusion. It's just it served its purpose, folks. This is the sad truth of this whole investigation of this whole Russia collusion farce is that it has given Liberals, a psychological excuse for why Hillary lost and why Trump is illegitimate. And that's been its primary purpose from the beginning. The secondary purpose is to find a way to legally ensnare and destroy the Trump administration. But even if it doesn't accomplish that, it has put enough Trump people in enough legal jeopardy and problems and huge legal costs that you got to figure the, the left feels like this whole thing is a, a victory anyway. I really believe that's where it is. That's just the the shame of it. And uh, I think liberals should be ashamed overall. I think the news networks that have been running with this they they well, they have no they have no shame. They have no capacity for shame. We're not
2: fake news. Oh,
1: we'll talk about some of that. Trump took some of them to task today in epic fashion. And I really, really enjoyed it. By the way, if you haven't listened, uh, Ann Coulter and I had a great conversation on the Freedom Hut podcast, so be sure to check that out. Just go on iTunes or Stitcher, type in Freedom Hut, and uh, you'll see it pop up. Give it a listen. We had a great chat. We've got uh, Brexit and the UK and that whole situation. Uh, Because we've already kind of been talking about Trump and Putin and and Russia. But I just wanted to go over a little more what happened in the UK. There was even a big Trump baby blimp that was getting... It was getting news coverage like it was the invasion of Normandy or something. It really was. Like, they were fixated on this thing. (sighs) Ah. Like a bunch of drunk British louts on the street yelling about our president matters to anybody.
2: getting out of UK! You know we don't like him here,
1: Yeah, please go ahead, but somebody you don't like from
0: the wrong soccer team. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence.
2: One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. You're a great, great American again.
0: This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now.
2: I also said that Boris Johnson, I said, yeah, they, how would he be as a prime minister? Said, He'll be a great prime minister. He's been very nice to me. He's been saying very good things about me as president. I think he thinks I'm doing a great job. I am doing a great job. That I can tell you, just in case you haven't noticed. But Boris Johnson, I think, would be a great prime minister. I also said that this incredible woman right here is doing a fantastic job, a great job. You know, we are... Um, We're cracking down right now on the European Union because uh, uh, they have not treated the United States fairly on trade. Mm -hmm. No, if they do that, uh, I would say that that would probably end a major trade relationship with the United States. Mm -hmm. I would have done it much differently. Uh, I actually told Theresa May how to do it, but Mm -hmm. she didn't agree with, she didn't listen to me. What did Uh, she say? She didn't listen. No, I told her how to do it. uh, That will be up to her to say. But I told her how to do it. She just she wanted to go a different route.
3: Mm-hmm. So you would be prepared to walk away if they didn't give you the right terms?
2: Oh, I, absolutely. I think what's going on is very unfortunate.
3: Yeah,
2: I did give her a suggestion. I wouldn't say advice, and I think she found it maybe too brutal, and that's so too, because I could see that. But I, I don't know if you remember what I said. But I, I did give her a certain amount of. Uh, I, I gave her suggestion, not advice. I wouldn't want to give her advice, I'd give her a suggestion. Uh, I could fully understand why she thought it was a little bit tough. And maybe at someday she'll do that. If they don't make the right deal, she might very well do what I suggested that she might want to do. But it is not an easy thing. Look, Look at the United States, how the European Union has taken advantage systematically of the United States on trade. It's a disgrace. So it's not an easy negotiation. Trump dumps on May. Welcome back to the Bucks Sexton show.
1: Oh man, until until they decided, as we've been discussing, to release that indictment today, all anybody was talking about was Trump. You heard so much there. Boris Johnson. I think he'd be a great prime minister. He just resigned as their foreign secretary and he's he's pro-Brexit. And he had these comments to the Sun newspaper, and then he's saying he said, you know that they didn't really attribute his comments properly, and Trump is just it's amazing. And you got these people, the protest, John, do you see that? Do you see the photos of this stuff? They've got the Trump baby blimp. It's kind of a weak blimp. It's not that big. It's like a balloon that I. it's not. I think I saw they spent fifty thousand dollars on this little Trump baby balloon. It's kind of cute, though. You know, I, I wouldn't like I, I think the president's great. I, I don't know. I'm guessing he probably does not like this baby balloon thing. But it, it, it was somewhat amusing. It reminds me of that movie Boss. There's a movie called Boss Baby, right? Well, oh, Baby Boss? Okay, yeah. This is kind of like Trump, you know, Trump Baby Boss. Anyway, they, there's uh, all this stuff going on, and, and people are just looking for an opportunity to, to talk about how Trump is destroying a relationship with the UK. It's just all nonsense. They got nothing. Whenever you ask, well, how is he really hurting the relationship with the Brits, you know, I mean, just they need to go find, like, the crustiest old British dude possible in the streets. Like, you know, he's like tea and crumpets, you know, with the Queen. And Trump is like, he's not, you know, Trump can bugger off, you know. Like, it doesn't, no one cares. It's fine. They're talking about some stuff. The press, oh, they create these narratives. And it's, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. It just doesn't matter. Um, you know they 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 act like there's all this terrible stuff that's happening, and I look at this and I say, all right, so Theresa May's government's a little embattled. Why can't Trump share his opinion about how he thinks Boris Johnson would be a great prime minister? I don't I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, people say, oh, it's so terrible, it's undermining our ally. Well, maybe Boris Johnson's going to be our ally next. You know, you just you just don't know. Uh, you just don't know, and 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 all the stuff we're seeing here. You know, people keep saying this. This is my favorite thing. People keep saying that Trump, by talking uh, favorably about Brexit and, and that he's undermining the UK somehow. And people show their elitism and their out of touchism so much with that comment because Brexit was a vote by the British people. So how could you be undermining democracy with a completely free and fair democratic and true democratic decision? It was just a majority vote, right? No, no electoral college situation with the Brexit. Isn't that giving clear and obvious respect to democracy in the UK? I, it's just they just make it up as they go along. The press is totally and completely full of it. And look, May, May sounded fine. She was clear about. About how they are going to be leaving the EU.
0: Let me be very clear about this. We will be leaving the European Union and we are leaving on the 29th of March 2019. As we leave the European Union, we will be delivering on what people voted for, an end to free movement, an end to sending vast amounts of money to the European Union every year, an end to the jurisdiction of the European Court of Justice here in the United Kingdom, coming out of the common fisheries policy, coming out of the common agricultural policy and ensuring by coming out of the customs union that we can have an independent trade policy that enables us to negotiate trade deals with the united states and with other countries around the rest of the world
1: wherever teresa may is speaking i feel like she's she's going to chide me any moment for like not not washing my hands thoroughly enough before dinner before supper she's got that like harry potter style accent you know that real legit elite british accent um, but yeah, she said that they're going to get out of it. The, they're going to get out of the EU. And then Trump is going to have a trade deal negotiation on this. I just I don't see what the huge problem is here, folks. There is no huge problem. This is all a myth of the media's creation. And you know why they also uh, they, they also hate it because, you know, we have Google, we have the Internet. We can go back and remember things. Trump being pro-Brexit is somehow this terrible, unforgivable sin, right? Trump's saying, yeah, what the British people wanted to do, what they want to do, as evidence by the vote for this, by the Leave campaign versus Remain, that that's a, a good thing and that's fine. Here, Here's what
2: he said about o- Obama, who also had opinions on this. One of the reasons I got elected was because of immigration, and I felt that Brexit had the upper hand. And most people didn't agree with me. If you remember, Barack Obama said, well... That your country will have to get on the back of the line, if that happened, which I thought was a terrible thing to say, frankly, but I said I thought it was going to happen, and it did happen. I mean, this is
1: this is a very important point. We we have this this media apparatus now in this country, and really the elite media apparatus in the whole Western world, in the English speaking world, in Europe, uh, that they suggest that anything that Trump says that is out of line. You know, that, that somehow Trump is violating sovereignty of other countries by expressing his opinion all the time. Uh, anything that he says that affects any other country is, is like a violation of it, it's intruding on their democracy or undermining their institutions. This is all blather. This is this. None of this has any meaning. I, I keep coming up against this. You know, on, on the show that I do in D.C., we have conservatives and progressives on air, but, but we also bring on experts from different sides of the ideological spectrum. And I keep having these progressive foreign policy experts come on or national security experts come on who are who are left wing. And I say, w- what do what do you don't tell me about the words? Don't say you want Trump to sound nicer or something. What should he do differently? Do differently from what he's doing? You know what they say? Well, no, I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, he's he's doing he's doing the he's doing good stuff for the most part on, you know, yeah, I think. uh I think that's all true, and yeah, sure. You yeah. know, Well, then what's, what's all the freak out about? I mean, if Trump is doing a good job with all that stuff, then what's the problem? right? Well, what are we all being told? They were acting like Western civilization was going to collapse this week because Trump was telling NATO, spend a little more money so you can actually punch back at the Russians when they step out of line. Well, you know, it's like I feel like I'm taking crazy pills over here. I just see you see this stuff for what it is. You see what they're saying. And, and it, none, none of it, none of what they're saying makes any sense. Um, you know, it, it's just the constant repetition of meaningless, meaningless talking points, which you're getting on all this Brexit UK stuff. You know, we had a, uh, a Raheem Kassam join us earlier, earlier this week to tell us what's really going on over there. And they, look, this is about sovereignty. It's about nationhood you don't really have a political union. You just have a monetary union with the EU. And it's a, it, it shows us that this whole notion, it really does tie into immigration. It shows us this notion that immigration does not affect a country or its sense of its future. It's just, that's just delusional. Uh, Trump spoke specifically about immigration actually today. Here's what he had to say.
2: I think it's been very bad for Europe. I think uh, Europe is a place I know very well. And I think that, Uh, What has happened is very tough. It's a very tough situation. I mean, you see the same terror attacks that I do. We see them a lot. I think it's uh, changing the culture. I think it's a very negative thing for uh, Europe. But I think that's uh, very much hurt Germany. I think it's very much hurt other parts of Europe. And I know it's politically not necessarily correct to say that. But I'll say it and I'll say it loud Look at what's happening to different countries that never had difficulty, never had problems. It's a very sad situation. It's very unfortunate. But I do not think it's good for Europe and I don't think it's good for our country. You know, it would be fascinating and, and you feel I feel like you don't really see these
1: polls. What do the German people think right now about Merkel's decisions to bring in over a million migrants in one year? What do these different European countries that have brought in large numbers of immigrants from countries with largely incompatible or very different, shall we say, cultures to a Western liberal democracy norm? Well, how do they feel about it now? The, the liberal left can tell it in this country. They're not really liberal, as we know. But the liberal left can tell us as much as they want that any concerns over immigration are rooted in xenophobia and racism. But we are seeing the experiment play out in Europe, and we realize we don't want to see more of that experiment play out here. We already have a massive illegal immigration problem. We already have a porous border. We need to make this worse. Um, and and I, I think that the, the concept of sovereignty is something that if you push a leftist on this, the, the, if, if you really try to pin them down, what you'll find out is they don't really believe in it. They, they believe in like the free movement of peoples there just needs to be a, a super state in charge to administer you know government benefits and welfare and to tax the, and to tax the rich. And anyone should be able to come and go as they please, as long as the rich people. I mean it's, it's essentially a mechanism for just redistributing wealth among the productive class to the less productive class. Uh, and if you make if there's no citizenship, if there's no sense of actual belonging to a political union, well, well, now everybody's just kind of an economic mercenary. I, I know that sounds a bit extreme, but this is a if you, if you go to some of these Soros funded think tanks and you talk to people, as I do, as I do on a regular basis from the progressive left, that's really what they're pushing for. They're pushing for open borders. You start to look at the way I mean, things like birthright citizenship in this country. We're, we're, we make we're told that that's just of course we have birth. Of course, of course, we have birthright. Citizenship. Other countries don't have birthright citizenship. Our, when Trump says our immigration laws are crazy, it's because he's actually speaking honestly about our immigration laws. Other countries don't have this because they don't want to dissolve the culture and the day-to-day reality of that nation state. They don't want it to just erode over time. So you know, I, I think this is, this is a, a moment when we're finally seeing a, well, we have been seeing for a while an honesty from Trump about this that you won't see from anybody else and, Uh, But he said that he'll be friends with May. He he ended it on a high note.
2: She will do very well. I think she's a very tough negotiator. I've been watching her over the last couple of days. She's a tough negotiator. She's a very, very smart and determined person. I can tell you there are a lot of people that are looking up now saying, gee whiz, you know, she left a lot of people in her wake. She's a, a very smart, very tough, very capable person. And uh, I would much rather have her as my friend than my enemy. That I can tell you. Why, thank
1: you, Donald. Extra crumpets for you. Uh, See? Nice things. Uh, Team, stay right there.
2: John Roberts, go ahead, John. Can I ask you a no, no, John Roberts, go ahead. CNN's fake news. I don't well, take well, questions. I don't take questions from news, CNN. Questions, CNN, <laughs> is CNN is fake news. I don't take questions yeah, from sir, CNN. Sir, John Roberts of Fox. Let's, go, right. to real, able let's able go to a real. Let's go to a real network. John, uh, let's go. Well, we're a real network too, sir. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank
1: you. <laughs> I love this president. He is amazing. I'm sorry, you don't get to put Acosta forward as your White House correspondent. Acosta might as well have hashtag resistance tattooed on his forehead. You don't get to put him forward and then say, oh, no, we're just a nonpartisan network. Now, if CNN wants to say we are a Democrat leaning or Democrat aligned news organization, then I think you give them a little more leeway. And I do think you should speak the other side and everything else. But. You know, sometimes you get to call them out there. There is a there is a fraudulence at the center of what CNN is doing right now. And the fraudulence is this, that they don't have an agenda, that they're not constructing anti-Trump narratives. It's just nonsense. And even some of their less left wing shows, some of them that do a a little bit of a better uh, job of of masking their left wing biases. What they really just do is launder liberalism such that it appears to be objective truth, right? Apples and bananas, right? Facts and facts and only facts. But it's really just laundering liberal ideology to make it seem like, oh, this is the truth, not this is the truth from the perspective of people who hate the president, who are Democrats, who are progressives, and so on and so forth. But it wasn't just, it wasn't just CNN that got the business from the president today. NBC. NBC asked a question that President Trump did not like, and they got some of it, too.
2: Spent the week taking on NATO allies, criticizing Prime Minister May on her own soil. And I, I wonder if are you giving Russian President Vladimir Putin the upper hand heading into your talks, given that you are challenging these alliances that he seeks to break up and destroy? See, that's such dishonest reporting because, of course, it happens to be NBC, which is possibly worse than CNN. Possibly. (laughs) Possibly. Let me explain something. Uh, We have left NATO with more money, with more unity, with more spirit than NATO probably has ever had.
1: I love it. Why does he have to sit there and, and have reporters say, Are you doing Putin's bidding? Are you giving the upper hand to Putin? It's idiocy. That's not a real question. Ask a real question. Like, well, this is like asking the president, oh, are you a moron? Well, is he supposed to answer that? Excuse me, President Trump, are you a moron? I just want to ask. I'm just a journalist asking questions. Are you are you an idiot, sir? Are you an imbecile? Why would you answer the question? We're not fake news. We're just, you know, it, they're doing this to themselves, man. That we, we see this at these outlets, at these networks all over the place. And that's why they're so nasty about it, too. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure I'd probably be banned from the premises now at CNN, which I wear as a badge of honor. They'd be like,
3: get out of here. You call
1: this fake news. Well, if you weren't fake news, you wouldn't cry about it like a bunch of little snowflakes. The Snowflake News Network. That's right. Very thin-skinned over there at CNN. Oh, I don't like like the criticism at all. Very thin-skinned. The work should speak for itself. But, you know, Obama said at one point, everyone forgets this, that Fox News was basically destroying America and dividing America. He called it Fox, and it was just one network. CNN's, like, oh, so, you know,
3: journalism—we're
1: under assault. Please, go, 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 puddle up the liberal tier somewhere else. We've got enough of them here. After the Supreme Court nominee, we'll be right back.
0: He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. Well, here's a shock. Some uh,
1: important thinking coming from a California-based politician. Who knew? This is from uh, Lancaster, which is apparently in California. I did not even know that until now. But some some forward thinking that I can agree with. You know, what it has to do with Mike and John neckties. Here is a guy who is the the mayor, uh, Rex Paris. It's a pretty cool name. Rex Paris and Buck Sexton could definitely be friends. That's a true thing. And I mean, look, I do a show every morning with Crystal Ball, right? Rex uh, Rex Paris, Buck Sexton, and Crystal Ball. Now that's a party. But but this guy this guy Rex out in. Uh, out in California, um, I think it's California, right? not like yeah. I'm assuming it's, this is an LA Times piece, so let's assume it's California. But he's fighting a one man, a one man campaign to make neckties in workplaces no longer possible to be mandatory. And you know what the reason is? Health reasons. Now this may seem like a stretch, but there is in fact some research out there that the necktie, according to a blog post that is cited here in the, New York, that in the L.A. Times, I have no idea if this is scientific or real or if anyone cares, but the necktie can restrict circulation by 7.5% to the brain. John, do you, do you want to have almost a tenth of your total brain circulation cut off because you want to wear, you know, something with a bunch of, uh, you know, little little pink crustaceans on your green tie or something? I don't think so, buddy. You want full blood flow to your, to your cranium. Is this research true? I think, prob- I think probably not. I think it's unlikely this is accurate, but I will say this. Tie is not very comfortable. And I think it's time that we start to evolve a little bit with what we think is necessary workplace attire. I'm not saying go with the Ahmadinejad, okay? I'm not, or, or the hipster. It's kind of a hipster thing now. You wear the, the traditional Western, you know, sort of collared shirt buttoned down with a suit, but no tie, but buttoned all the way up. I don't know about that. You know, you, you, you should have free blood flow in the neck. Very important. And this notion of wearing ties all the time, I've had to deal with this because, you know, I was interviewing Ted Cruz for the Hill TV show. And he was like, Why aren't you wearing a tie, sir? And I think it was a, you know, and he was right. You know, I'm in a senator's office because, by the way, my, they, they told me not to wear a tie because, you know, we're because I'm young and hip. And, and I, that's why I wasn't wearing a tie. But, you know, I kind of I kind of thought more about it. I realized, you know what the thing is? The tie is not very comfortable. It's really not. The tie is not something that, uh, you know, gets people particularly excited to, to wear these days. It's, and if you do the top button, unbutton and put on a tie, it's not so good. But I'm I'm somebody who hates suits, too, John. And it's summertime, so now about to now about to get a little get-off-my-lawn-with-suits. With there is no such thing as a really comfortable suit. There is no such thing as a summer suit. There are just lighter-weight suits, but it is still a suit, which is not a comfortable thing. You know, you, you cannot move in these things the way you're supposed to. You, you cannot really be fully free in the traditional Western suit. I, I think we need to evolve past this. No, I don't think that we can all do the Steve Jobs with the black turtleneck, the jeans, you know, the... Are, are they... John, is it always mom jeans or dad jeans? What do we call that? There's dad bod. Is there mom jeans and dad jeans? I don't know. I've heard mom jeans. You've heard Didn't mom jeans. Mama have
3: mom jeans? So, so when I wear jeans that
1: are like a little high-waisted and baggy on me, am I wearing mom jeans or dad jeans? I guess it could go either way. I guess maybe that's... The, the jeans are kind of unisex at that point, so you can wear them no matter who you are. But I'm not, you know, I used to wear New Balance sneakers. Miss Molly was like, you need to stop wearing those gray New Balance sneakers everywhere. Like, it's fine to wear them to go get groceries, but that's not a, that's not a fashion thing that you should do. And I, I, I agree. You know, I've backed off on the New Balance sneaks. And, and it de- definitely kind of stung in that movie. Uh, what is it called? Um I, I can't remember the movie with the with Steve Carell where he kind of is about to get divorced, and then he's with a young handsome guy who teaches him how to date again. I don't, you know, what I'm talking about. I can't remember what it's called, but he's like, you're wearing New Balance sneakers in a suit. What are you, Steve Jobs? And I do I think he's. I think yeah. I think he had a point there. You really, you got to earn wearing New Balance sneakers when anyone can see you, or when you're not working out or like doing errands, right? But you you can't wear those to like a a bar. It's not. It's, I think you're being trendy with them. But hey, back to this California mayor. I, I think he's on to something here. You know, the, the, the necktie is kind of a we- when you think about it, it's kind of a weird thing. I've told you all before the history of the necktie comes from France via Croatia. So a particularly interesting time right now because when is the World Cup final? Sunday? Right? And it's Croatia, France, right? So you may know See, John likes the history stuff. You may know that the the French my way, bien sûr, they have all the fashion, the stuff, and we take it, and then the British take it from the French, and then we wear it here. And Although I will say that I was told or heard from a Belgian chef recently that it is not French fries, if you want to be technical, that they originated in Belgium. I feel like people have fought wars over less, I am just saying. They're really Belgian fries, it's not French fries. Of course, we had that period where we were going to call them freedom fries, which was what? We know where Belgian waffles come from, obviously, from France. They steal from no, I don't know. I'm just kidding. They steal from each other, uh, but but the the neckties. We were, it's kind of a weird thing when you think about it. You know, sometimes we look at the clothing that other cultures have, and we're like, what a, you know? What's with that? And you find out the history of clothing; it's very interesting. And uh, the necktie comes from uh, France, and then it was adopted in all of Western Europe as a, as a fashion. And it was uh, originally from the 17th century when King Louis the 13th had Croatian mercenaries in his employ for the 30 years war and these Croatian mercenaries, because this was also at a time when people would uh, signify themselves in their units with very brightly uh, colored clothing. In fact, the Landsknechts, who were German mercenaries who helped defeat the Ottoman siege of Vienna. The first time around were known for their incredibly colorful clothing, which now you think like colorful clothing on a battlefield. It's, make yourself a neon bullseye, right? It's crazy. You never do that. But at the time, because it was mostly, it was more important to distinguish friend from foe on the battlefield up close than being able to be seen at a distance. People wore very bright clothing. These Croatian mercenaries had uh, a little uh, brightly colored piece of cloth around their neck. And the Croatians were called Kravati. Hra, uh, and Kravati became Cravat, which is the French word for necktie and then the tie became the fashion because it started in paris because all fashion starts in paris and then it you know the london gentlemen were wearing it and that started in in the in the 17th century in the 1600s how far back the necktie goes but you know what john i think it's time for us to move past it i think are you a tie guy like when you go to a wedding you wear a tie john's a very formal john's got very good manners very formal respectful respectful fellow um i don't know i'm I, but I, I will say this on TV: you don't wear a tie. It's kind of like, yeah, you really you mailing it in today. People, I'm telling you, people make judgments. We're so used to seeing that visual cue of seriousness that if you don't wear a tie, it's kind of like, oh, what are you, Don Johnson? Is this Miami Vice? You giving me the news? You telling me that, you know, the Ferraris parked out front? And you're heading to the beach?
2: You know what, what my problem is with the tie? What? If I have to wear it, I don't want to wear it. Yeah, I agree
1: with you. There's there's a certain degree of, you know, it's almost like a leash, you know? Like, what am I? What am I, a canine? You're going to pull me around by this? But I will also say, not for nothing, you do not want to be wearing a tie if you ever get into a scuffle. I saw somebody once who had a tie around his neck out of a scuffle. It's like having a, you know, like having a lasso around you. It's not good. Uh, Anyway, so this guy in California is fighting the necktie. We'll see. We'll see. If he's successful in uh, doing his, his campaign to get rid of this. This is going to be a state, state law, I think he's hoping. And, and already in New York, I think you can't be required to wear high heels or a necktie. I mean, high heels for women, probably men too. Let's not discriminate. You can't be required to wear high heels. And you also, I don't think, can be required to wear a necktie now in the office. So this is progress, my friends. Friday the 13th is today. Do a little history deep dive into it, and uh, then we'll get into the latest fights with the social justice warriors coming up.
2: Funny, I always say
1: I'm I'm not a superstitious person, but then something superstitious happens, and I I, all of a sudden I become superstitious. You know what I'm talking about, John? You know, I I talk a big game. And then a black cat crosses my path, and I'm I'm like, oh, better stay away from like sharp sharp objects, and you know, drive the speed limit for a day or two. I just I feel like we 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 all there's just this it's it's a part of our psychology. You know, today's Friday the 13th, folks, as you know, which is uh, a day that's considered so unlucky, and I'll tell you why historically in just in just a moment because I like to get into some of this stuff, um, but the The Friday the 13th movies, John, did you did you watch them growing up a little bit? I was aware of them, but I never actually sat through any of them. I was kind of scared of horror movies when I was a kid. You know, I never really and I I watched You know, I've I've said this before. The Exorcist, I think, is the scariest movie I've ever seen. And it's the scariest movie ever made as far as I'm concerned. Uh, But I'm familiar with the whole pop culture phenomenon of all these slasher flicks, particularly from the 80s. And they made all these Friday the 13th movies. I mean, you think about it, it's such an incredible, it's such an incredible gag, right? I mean, the whole thing, you got a guy with a hockey mask, basically anybody plays him. You got a bunch of people running around like a campground somewhere. You just need some fake blood, a dull machete and bam, you got a movie, right? It's not a, it, Horror movies as a genre, I will have you know, are actually the most likely to be profitable, because of that, and because people like the the feeling of being scared when they're actually safe, right? They like that excitement. Uh, but uh, so, you, are you a you're Friday the thirtieth? You, you don't watch, Did you watch horror movies, John? Growing up, were you one of those guys?
3: Um, like the
1: Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, exactly. The, the Halloween Ma- movies. They were ever. Remember when there was Blockbuster and all the movie the movie rental places horror section was huge. I feel like it was a big thing. And then Scream came out, the original Scream, and it was kind of a. A send up of that whole phenomenon, and it's kind of faded away. Then it went into the weird, like torture porn stuff with Saw and all that, which is really like I I can't handle those movies. Um, I I I really can't. Like my stomach turns. Uh, But but the 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 horror movie phenomenon, and I feel like Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street were the the real. You know that that was kind of the Stallone and the Schwarzenegger of the action genre. Was like Nightmare on Elm Street. That's why they have Jason versus Freddy. Oh, that's right. They made that crossover movie. You know, they made a crossover movie of Predator and Alien, and it almost ruined both both of the movies for me. It was so bad. You know, they're making a, an Indiana Jones that's supposed to come out in twenty twenty, and Harrison Ford's going to be in it. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna put him on a walker and give him his like lion tamer whip. You know, even though he's he's a, he's getting up there, I, I don't know how much Indy can. And if you go back and watch some of those Indiana Jones movies, too, Harrison Ford, the way he throws a punch, I'm like, this guy really telegraphs that punch. You see it coming from a mile away. But somehow he's somehow he always wins. All right. So uh, why is Friday the 13th a a superstitious day? By the way, next hour, I'm going to talk to you about uh, the latest in the social justice warrior wars, I guess, and, and also how straws, plastic straws, the war on straws. John, I have an update. From the front lines of that battlefield one that may shock you all and then i'll also have your thoughts on roll call where you just get to tell me things uh but here's what you need to know about friday the 13th in case you are not aware uh it is thought to go back to the last supper because it was attended by 13 people jesus and his 12 disciples also the uh Number 13 is associated with, with Judas Iscariot, the great betrayer of, uh, of Jesus Christ. And so there is that. Um, there's the more, I think the better known or more well-known, and some of you are probably into numerology, and so you can tell me a whole lot more about this. I remember, John, a long time ago, I made a joke about a Wiccan, you know, just like not, not, not like a mean joke. I was just like, yeah, like, you know, Wiccans, like dancing in the forest or something. And, and, and a couple of Wiccans actually wrote to me and they were like, and then I, and then I thought to myself, I'm like, I don't want to upset the Wiccans because like I have voodoo dolls and spells. And, I know voodoo is not Wiccan, but you know, spells and things I don't, I don't need, I got enough problems. You know, I was like, Hey, how do I, how do I stay cool with the Wiccan community? Can we just be friends? I like spirits and, and fairies and, you know, magic elves and stuff too. Like we're cool. Right guys. We're, I don't, you don't want to get on the wrong side of them, you know? It's like, get on the wrong side of Scientologists. You're never going to get free. You're in you're a, a whole lot of trouble. At least a Scientologist, it's all make-believe. With the Wiccans, the magic might be real. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I went there. Uh, so anyway, Knights Templar... I'm going to get some Scientology emails now. Knights Templar on Friday the 13th, uh, October 1307 were arrested by King Philip IV of France, and they were... Uh, they were they were they were taken and it was because they there were all these things that were said about them by an excommunicated former member. And then they were uh, I think they were some of them. Were, yeah, they were burned at the stake. The order's grand master, this is according to the independent Jacques de Molay, faced the flames in front of Notre Dame Cathedral and is said to have cried out a curse on those who had so gravely wronged them. God knows who is wrong and has sinned. Soon a calamity will occur to those who have condemned us to death. So ever since then, people say Dumoulin's curse has meant that Friday the 13th is bad luck. Uh, it, is a, it is an ill omen. But look, by the time you guys are here in the show, you've made it through most of Friday the 13th. You're probably fine. You know what I mean? So there's that, right? We, we can at least celebrate that much. And uh, I would also say that who knew that uh, Jacques Dumoulin... Before he had to face uh, uh, being flambé, uh, that, that he would have yelled this out. And then, how many hundreds of years later, they'd be making really bad, low budget slasher movies based on the title taken from that event that day, right? You see what, you see what I just did there, John? I just brought it all together. There's a big circle. It's a circular. I don't know if it really made sense, but it was, it was close enough. Oh, and for those who are wondering. Uh, what is it? Uh, an irrational fear of Friday the 13th is known as periscavidicatria phobia. Periscavidicatria. I can't even say it, dude. Isn't uh, fear of the number 13 like Trisca decaphobia or something like that? Ah, close enough. All right. Let's get into some real stuff coming up here in a moment, which is... Uh, I- I've got to tell you, the social justice warriors have just gotten a very big win and it's not one that you would have necessarily seen uh, seen coming so i want to tell you about what happened there then also the war on straws there's been a big setback for the uh, environmentalist wackos so there's that and then your thoughts roll call so stay right there team it's beautiful this time of year and you really want to enjoy the outdoors and you want your little furry friends your dog whatever you got to be enjoying the yard right well guess what it's going to ruin everybody's weekend if Fido, Max, or your little Shih Tzu decides to get outside of your fence. I got an idea for you. Stop all that from happening. All you're like, I don't have a, I don't have a Shih Tzu. I've got a yellow lab. Buck, come on, get real. Maybe a German Shepherd. Anyway, you want to stop the dog from getting under your fence? The best way to do that is dig. Dig defense is so easy. All you need is a hammer and gloves to install it. You can do it yourself. I'm not good with my hands. I can install dig defense. Go check it out for yourself. It'll stop dogs from digging under your fence, predators from getting into your yard under the fence. Go to StopTheDig.com for the month of July. Use promo code BUCK for 10% off. That's StopTheDig.com. Promo code BUCK. That'll get you 10% off your whole, whole order. Never think about your dog digging under the fence again with dig defense.
0: Buck Sexton. mission: Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence.
2: One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American again.
0: This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now.
1: Welcome back to the Bucks Sexton Show. It is time for a little update on the latest victims of the social justice warriors and the the mob mentality out there. I, I this is this is where we are, we are reminded folks that all the left has to do is not be crazy and and they can't do it. All they have to do is present themselves as somewhat normal to the American people and there would be a very real chance that they would regain political power and you know because just people like people like change and like to blame the people who are in power and, and you, you get what i'm saying but this is just this is just nuts some of you may recall i spoke to you earlier in the week about this that uh, scarlett johansson has gotten caught up in this controversy by the way she's dating my former high school classmate i will have you now this is this is on page six. This is not like I'm not I'm not you know breaking any confidences here, uh, but uh, sure enough, he's uh, look at him, huh? Yeah, whatever, dude. You know what I mean? Come on, whatever. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not I'm not saying she's just not my look. She's not my cup of tea. I'm just gonna say she's not. She's no Jessica Beale, that's for sure. She's no Miss Molly. Just just saying. But anyway, Scarlett Johansson uh, is. Uh, Well, was cast in this movie called Rub and Tug, which my understanding is uh, is not a. uh, Well, it's not it's not something we can discuss on the radio, but that is the title of the of the the movie that is being made. It has to do with a massage parlor uh, and and some illicit activity. But she was supposed to play a transgender man so a man who is, wait is that a i'm actually so trans is that a man who's playing the female or is the female playing them all right whatever anyway a transgender man and there was this outcry about it and sure enough she has now withdrawn so an international movie star who was going to be the single biggest draw for this movie that, I, by the way, I can almost guarantee you, without knowing much of anything about it, would be terrible just because the title is Rub and Tug. And I'm never wrong about this stuff. Whenever I say this movie is going to be terrible, I'm never wrong. Just as a matter of fact. Uh, so it's going to be an awful movie no matter what. But she was probably going to be a big draw for it. And the transgender community flipped out on her. A lot of problems there. A lot of beef. A lot of people really upset. And so with that, uh, she decided to pull out. She decided that she was no longer going to be in this movie. She has respect, uh, respectfully withdrawn. She initially pushed back because she was saying, well, what about, or her, her publicist did. She's like, what about the other actors that have played transgender characters and gotten acclaim for it? And there's a whole bunch of them. Oh, but you see now, now the rules and this is what's so important with the social justice left. The rules change, folks, the same way that you're supposed to now, uh, y- you know, change your view of, of gender and, and how you refer. You know, you are now expected. And I've told you, I don't know. I think now in an office setting, I don't want to get sued. Am, am I going to get sued if I refer to somebody who is biologically male as uh, and, and if I refer to uh, refuse to refer to that person as female, am I going to get sued? I don't want to go through that. So this is what they do. They force you via language to accept their political positions. But, you know, usually you'd think that having an internationally known movie star play a transgender character would be, this is what Hollywood does. They pick favored victim classes and and they put up somebody who's from that victim class and then they give them, you know, they get Oscars for it and all this stuff. All these good stuff happens, right? that is what hollywood's formula is and then they give themselves all a big pat on the back look at us we're you know we're moving the culture along come out to the coast have a few laughs and sure enough now the ground is shifted because there's enough transgender actor stuff going on that 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 they want transgender actors to play people who are transgender They, they no longer accept that uh, you can be an actor pretending to be somebody else if that somebody else is transgender. So she's out. Uh, scholars Johansson's out, which you may not really care that much. But then there's this other website, Business Insider. Uh, Business Insider published a column by a writer. By the way, I invited her several times on the show to just tell us about what happened. And initially, she accepted, and then she declined and went and went dark on me. So I don't know what happened. She. I was like, look, just tell us your story. But, you know, I guess she's busy or whatever. Fine. But she initially was like, I'm happy to come on. And then she, ah, I can't. I'm like, no, no, it's okay. I'm not, we're not like right-wing crazy here. We're just right-wing awesome. There's a difference. And, and I'm sympathetic to her whole situation. She didn't She didn't come on. So, okay, fine. But here's what happened with, with her. Uh, her name is, uh, I should probably know her name if I'm sitting. Daniela Greenbaum. And she wrote a column. For Business Insider, which is a leftist business-ish focused website, but not really. But she wrote a column in which she said that it's kind of crazy that people are upset about Scarlett Johansson playing a transgender person because actors play people they are not. And as I have mentioned to you, there are some exceptions to this, but the only real exception is blackface, meaning that white people should not play African-Americans or, or black Americans in theatrical roles. But that's because there's a specific history, not just of oppression, but a specific history of using blackface as a form of mockery. So I, understa- I understand why there's that sensitivity, and, and I, I can... See why that's uh that's a, a red line that people don't generally call although not always tro- I mean in Tropic Thunder the guy you Robert Downey Jr is in fact playing an African-American character. So there's a context to it too. But you had uh what was his name? Um it was a guy uh John who played Gandhi. You know what I'm talking about that guy. Not uh, you know, Ben Kingsley. He is not Indian, okay? No, he is not. I think we all know this. You know, you got to uh, but he played Gandhi. It was a big movie. I mean, you see this. Oh man. And uh so so but, but Business Insider, anyway, so so they published this column by Daniel Greenbaum. And I would like to think that folks are you know, they, they still want to protect some sense of their editorial integrity and that they, they won't just bow to the whims of the mob, but increasingly because of all the of all the uh Going after sponsors and trying to get people fired and all that stuff that you see because of all of that, uh, you know, they just they just get wimpy. And then you also have at many of these news sites, people who believe in deplatforming. They're they think antifa is kind of cool. They think that uh, the conservatives are Nazis and conservative speech is hate speech is tantamount to violence. Like this is a real thing that exists in some pretty mainstream sites and mainstream places and the fact that they would cave in this way they had daniella greenbaum's piece she they took it down and then not now they take it down business insider which does tens of millions of of readers a month in terms of uh you know how far it reaches then business insider after the fact john published a new set of here are our standards for handling like sensitive, and it was just the most mealy-mouthed, milk toast. Like, oh, like we don't want to give offense, but we want to push boundaries. But we don't want to give offense, but we want to make sure we're like inclusive. And it's just like, are you guys presenting information? Are you are you are you giving people news and commentary or not? Total CYA, dude. Total CYA. And, and they and Greenbaum resigned from business as she should, or she resigned her column. She wasn't a full time employee. But what cowardice, man. It's just, you know, I will say this, and it's one of my favorite things about, you know, what I do. And I say this all the time. Yes, technically, I have, I have bosses. uh, All of my bosses here at Premier are awesome, and my bosses at The Hill are great. Technically, I have bosses in a normal corporate sense. But really, my boss is the audience. My boss is all of you listening to this show. If you believe in what I'm doing, you believe in what I'm saying, the information that I present, the analysis, the, the entertainment the all the things that we do here the mob doesn't really matter as long as you are on my team that's one of the great things about radio it's not, i'm not completely reliant on uh the 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 corporate whims or or rather the possibility of some kind of a boycott or something and then it's like whoop i'm all done right i mean i i have because i have team buck i can Deal with some of the criticism and I get people write me really nasty stuff and people threaten to go after sponsors. Although I, I'm like, yeah, you're going to you're going to go after my conservative, former spec ops, veteran sponsors and tell them that I'm too patriotic and uh, conservative. Good luck with that one. Uh, I don't I don't think they're going to have a problem with that. Uh, pretty sure. But did you also see that's why the people that that uh, advertise on talk radio and, and on my show in particular, they're real partners. They're really here with us. Uh, because they support what, what i'm doing they support this show and and on all of you listening that's why i would say please do give a vote of confidence by whenever i give you one of those call outs for one of those websites to go buy some gear or buy some coffee or t-shirts or whatever please do it um but the the social justice mob it comes for all of us do not ask for whom the social justice mob comes because it comes for all of us just a question of when And that's why I just need to have the most robust team possible, you as the team, and we will weather that storm. But Business Insider, weak sauce, dude. JV, wimpiness of the highest level. Uh, Quick break here, team. we got so much more coming up this hour, including a lot of roll call. So stay right there. Are you a Birkenstock-wearing Bernie Sanders supporter who thinks that the problem with socialism is that it's never been properly implemented? I think not. So why would you drink coffee from a bunch of guys that are into all that? I've got an idea. Why don't you drink coffee that's given to you, that is brought to you by a bunch of amazing patriots, members of the special operations community, guys who were in the military and are now helping veterans and spreading freedom across the country? Black Rifle Coffee is what you need folks. It's what I drink every day. Go visit blackriflecoffee.com slash buck. They will give you fifteen percent off your entire order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash buck for 15% off. I drink black rifle every day. I mean I sit there at my desk at work and people are like, oh wait, are you the conservative host or the progressive host? And they can see right on my desk a big crate of black rifle K cups and they're like, oh I see freedom blend. Clearly you love freedom. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. You know, one of the hilarious things about uh, progressivism is that it, it can't live within its own rules. It's so fun because it's all based in emotion, and I feel good about myself now. I feel like the best kind of person, and anyone who doesn't agree is a bad person. That's fun, right? The problem is, though, if you actually have some rules that you have to deal with, if there are some things that you then have to live by, occasionally you find out it's pretty difficult to do so when you've just let emotion drive the ship. Here's what I mean. Environmentalism and being environmentally conscious is something that libs love. We know this, right? They like to talk about how environmentally conscious they are, and and they really look down on you. And there are these stories. I don't know if it's you, you've probably seen them. The Occasionally, they get in the news where you know a kindergartner will be shamed by the teacher and his classmates because he doesn't have because he comes in with uh, you know plastic wrap around his food or something. They're like, that's not recyclable, and he gets in and then they send home little Petey Little Petey gets sent home because he came in with Styrofoam. You know, that'll happen sometimes. And then the kid gets, like, traumatized for the rest of his life because he, you know, he actually, he ate fish and chips out of a Styrofoam thing instead of some environmentally friendly plastic that, you know, probably can't even take the microwave heat. Anyway, you got, uh, you got the anti-straw law phenomenon going on right now. And you may think to yourself, well, Buck, There are billions and billions of straws all the time. By the way, also another thing for the gentleman out there, John, true or false, we take the straws out of our drinks. You're at a bar, they give you a straw. You can stir it once or twice if you want, but you take that straw out, man. You deal with the ice cubes, right? You know, come on. What is this? None of this, none of this namby-pamby, oh, look at me with my little straw thing. I mean, if you're going to be like me and drink an apple tini, because no shame in that game, at least don't do it through a straw. And if you're going to have one of those drinks, I don't care if they bring me a drink that's that's in a coconut shell at a restaurant that's not even or a bar that's not even in the Caribbean. I don't back down from that, John. But I do. I do draw the line at no straw at, at having a straw. I think you got to pull a straw to your drink. That said, it's not environmental stuff. I just think that I just think that real men don't drink out of straws unless they absolutely have to. You know, Sometimes you don't have a choice, right? I mean, you know, you're. That's not. Some, sometimes there's extenuating. You're driving the car. You, you know you can't spill it all over yourself. I I get it. I'm I'm not a I'm not a anti straw absolutist, but I do think that in general at a bar when there's alcohol involved, it does not look cool to have a straw. Okay. That said, they don't like straws in liberal world because they think that, you know, they're going to strangle the seagulls or something. You know, they they don't like straws because, you know, Pink Paradise put up a parking lot or whatever. I don't know whatever the, the latest hippy dippy stuff is. Turns out, folks, just as I have told you about in the past with recycling, that recycling in many ways is worse for the environment, takes more energy than just using new stuff, uh, that, you know, the, the batteries you have to use for some uh, reusable, environmentally friendly products are so toxic and terrible for the environment, you'd be better off actually with disposable batteries. Despite all that, now we find out from courtesy of, uh, of Reason.com that since Starbucks... Which now has turned its facilities into at least what are on the precipice of being bus depots from the 1980s, right? Anybody can walk and use the bathroom. Anyone can stay there as long as they want. But it's kind of to the discretion of the owner of the, or the uh, manager of the establishment. Uh, but Starbucks got rid of their uh, they're, they're getting rid of straws entirely. They're going to have just dr- these drink lids. And none of this really matters because everyone listening to this should be drinking Black Rifle coffee and not Starbucks anyway. Okay. blackriflecoffee.com slash buck. Let's not be let's not be foolish. Right. This is not nom. There are rules. Drink Black Rifle coffee. Uh, And what they found out is that straws, uh, plastic straws, getting rid of them means you'll have to actually use more plastic, which is worse for the environment. Here's what uh, here's what reason points out. Quote, as countless experts have stressed, truly addressing the problem of marine plastic pollution will require going after the source of this pollution, namely all the uncollected litter from poorer coastal countries that lack developed waste management systems. Straw banners have proven stubbornly resistant to this logic. Instead, they have chosen to rely on either debunked statistics, such as the claim that Americans use 500 million straws a day, which was the product of a nine year old's research. Or totally unproven notions, like the theory that straws are a gateway plastic in order to justify petty prohibitions on innocuous straws. And they've been helped along by an uncritical media. Coverage of Starbucks strawless moves Saw the New York Times, Wall Street Journal and National Geographic all cite the 500 million straws a day figure. That's a lot of straws, right? Not true, but still fun to say. By adopting a myopic focus on banning straws, environmentalist city councils and conscious capitalists are at best having no significant impact on the overall problem of marine plastic waste. At worst, they are pushing expensive prohibitions on consumer choice that are counterproductive, at least in the case of the Starbucks ban, come with unintended consequences. So you have to use more plastic, they say, uh, with this new version of the cups which is crazy right it has to do with the weight of the plastic that's the big issue and that's what should concern environmentalists uh but instead they are uh, they're just saying well we need to get rid of this um and another thing by the way there's a problem with a- a- ableism i think or well people with this people with disabilities Need uh, need straws, which of course that's completely understandable and legitimate, and and then now there's a whole feeling of excluding people with disabilities. So so anyway, the straw ban is a perfect example of liberalism. People push it; they don't think through it. They're just like, this makes me feel good, and I care about the environment. It turns out it's probably worse for the environment, at least what Starbucks is doing, and they're all so concerned with inclusivity. Yet there is going to be a, some difficulty here for folks that have disabilities that actually need to use a straw, right? Because of motor skills and some of the issues that come with holding an open an open beverage. Uh, so there you go. Um, that's 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 the trick. Oh, and senior citizens too, by the way. Senior citizens use straws. So I just want to tell you all the truth about straws. That's what we needed. There. We got a roll call coming up. It's going to be fun. Double roll call because it's Friday.
0: He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops.
1: Roll call, because it's a Friday.
0: Hit it. Rock and roll, fellow patriots. Time to spread some freedom coast to coast. It's time for roll call. Roll call's
1: gonna include the emails this time around. We're not just gonna to go to the Facebook. Buck's gonna be a little less lazy today. He was able to get some sleep last night. So today he can actually do all the things he has to do. That's why right, I'm fired up for this Friday show. Even though it's very late in the show. It doesn't matter. It's all about it's all about staying in the struggle and spreading that freedom team. With that, we have official Team Buck at gmail.com. That is the email address. Facebook.com. Or if you are in Paris, le Facebook. Or if you're in London, Facebook. Just like that. Uh, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. That's how you do it. First up, we have an email here uh, from our inbox from Andrew. He writes Hi, Buck. Please read more emails. It's <laughs> perfect. I, I didn't even plan it that way. I don't have Facebook, but I love writing you and sharing my opinions. By the way, a couple of years ago, they were going to do another Big Trouble in Little China with The Rock playing Jack Burton. It would probably be horrible, but I would probably still go see it. It's all in the reflexes. If I'm not back by dawn, call the president. Um, I got to tell you something. I actually think The Rock as Jack Burton would work. I don't think, John, what do you think? I think you've seen Big Trouble in Little China, right? John, That's unacceptable. I'm, I, I would send you the DVD, but no one has DVD players anymore. It probably is something you can watch on. I don't know if you have it on Netflix. I'm not really sure, but I know it's, it's all over the place. John, it's a great, it's such a bizarre movie. Like it's, I can't even really explain it to you. You have to watch it, but I think it's great. It's like a really good Friday night, like just bust out that popcorn and just chillax while Jack Burton saves, saves the world. Never seen a movie like it before. It kind of takes you into the, the Chinese underworld. Uh, and, I mean, it's like a fake, obviously. But, you know, and, and Chinese mythology. All made up, though. Like, no actual connection, from what I understand, to real Chinese mythology, such as it is. Um, okay. Although, I don't know anything about Chinese mythology. Chuck. Here we go. Chuck writes, Buck, you were very passionate today about the crazy left. Your answer to the guy who called in about the left living in another world was good. He was so close to correct. You were right stating that we are moving towards socialism. That statement implies a change of position, leaving one place for something else. But I wrote to you before about the meaningless uh, meaninglessness of using left and right. We are comparing socialists to Americanist. No matter how we try to frame it, liberal has come to mean cool, nice, advanced. Conservative is backwards and bad. But how the heck can you call socialism liberal? Can you tell me that any form of socialism is less controlling, more free than the Americanist political structure? What system has brought more people from poverty to economic and personal freedom than Americanism? Uh, The system of Americanism is defined by our Constitution and is more advanced on the freedom scale than any other political thing in the world. Okay, we are stupid to argue on the ground selected by our enemies. I I agree about the terminology issue, my friend. Uh, I I think that one of the big problems that we have is that uh, we allow ourselves to get boxed into using the words that the other side dictates for us. I'm still you could say that I'm a I'm a state, uh, a state color truther in that I I think the whole red, blue thing for red states, blue states is I think that there's there's political stuff going on there. It was just decided. I've done a whole history of it. Maybe I'll do it on the show another time. I actually don't remember it all off the top of my head now. But there were like yellow states. It was a presidential election thing decided by the networks and the left and socialism and the Democratic Party. All of that should be much more closely associated with red. And it is associated with red all over the world. So why are the Democrats blue? Blue is America. That should be the Republican Party. At least that's my position on all that. And I, and I think I'm correct. Uh, so but that's just one example. Right. Red. Imagine what Democrats would have to deal with the if they were the red states and the reds like communism socialism they wanted to get away from that the same reason they call themselves liberal they're anti-liberal they do not believe in individual liberty they believe in the dictates of the state they believe in rule by an absolutist majority and when they can't get that majority they believe in rule by elites not that are elected necessarily that's why they're so upset about the Supreme, uh, supreme court all right, next up here, Jeremiah. Now Jeremiah writes, Hey, Buck, I love the show, and allow me to salute the swoop. I just want to reach out quickly to share some helpful info with the team. I have heard that some folks would like to view Rising, my new show, on thehill.com on their televisions, but have been unable to do so. I, too, was hopeful and have indeed found a way using Amazon's Fire TV. The trick is to view it through a web browser app. I tried both the Firefox and Silk browser. I wasn't able to load the versions in Firefox, um, but uh, I managed successfully with the Silk browser by merely visiting hill.tv and clicking on the Rising link. Rising is great, by the way. It's refreshing to see that contention can meet civility in the midst of our current tumultuous political environment. One last thing. Although Crystal is a lefty, she is quite fetching. Just saying. Err, I hope. I haven't just me tooed the left. Take care, Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I'll 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 pass along your, your message to Crystal. She is a happily married woman with three children, but I will I'm I'm happy to pass along that you said that she was fetching because that is a gentlemanly comment about her appearance, not some of the other comments from some of you folks, some of the some of the dudes, some of the bros out there. Don't make me don't make me, you know, track you down and make you apologize for talking saucy about about my co-host there's some saucy talk about the co-host you guys all behave out there you know you know who you are kyle writes hey buck i've only been listener for a few months yet i know we share many of the same political viewpoints i try to approach every political issue with an element of pragmatism and a lot of historical perspective well done kyle there are a multitude of issues i'd like to discuss with you but i wanted to start with one today this so-called trade war I feel like the world has successfully played the U.S. and its citizenry so that the U.S.A. has been historically guilted into performing with one hand tied behind our back. Specifically in the trade realm, foreign nations act like we are so powerful that it is only fair that our trade and production is hindered and or forced to underperform. They do it to protect their own producers, manipulate monetary policy or to supplement... There enormous federal welfare programs. Additionally, many countries then request to borrow money from the USA at a great rate, if not outright asked to be given the funds, or create a situation within their country to unburden their government or welfare sappers or political dissenters. Now that I have your email, I'll be dropping mind-blowers like this on the reg. <laughs> I hope I'd initially come off as a self-published manifesto type. I have a lot to say about this topic of people and politics. Keep up the good fight Uh Regards, Kyle. Well, Kyle Shields, hi. Thank you for the email and the very uh, insightful trade analysis. It was uh, excellent. Andrew writes, hi, Buck. Love the show. (laughs) Love when people tell me they love the show. Uh, I think the Democrats are playing the Supreme Court deal totally wrong. Right now, we have 51 votes. If two people defect Murkowski-McCain, then the justice won't be confirmed. If we wait for the election like they want, there are 25 Democrats and eight Republican seats up for election. The odds are that the Republicans can get 53 to 54 votes, which provides them cover. If I'm a Democrat, not only am I morally corrupt, but I'm wanting the vote to happen now. Love your face. Andy. Your face has really caught on. You know, John, you know, you know who says your face sometimes now? Miss Molly. Like, well, I'll be like, I'll be like, honey, come on. We, we agree. We're going to, you know, we're going to. We're going to go out to eat tonight to, to this place. We're going to go get burgers. You know, I'm always pushing red meat. And she's like, no, what about this other place? I'm like, well, honey, I don't know. And she's like, yeah, your face. And I'm like, well, you just won that argument. So I, I guess we've got to go where you want now. Can't argue with your face. Uh, Hold on a second. Bob writes about Pruitt. Stop bending over backwards in your attempt to appear fair and even-handed. You're not going to succeed as the voice of reason who is... Bring in common understanding to our frazzled nation. Trump's appointed administrators need not be really nice people. They need not meet your or anyone else's criteria for appropriateness or suavity. Ooh. I hope I have ample suavity, John. I like that. They only need to do the job the president gave them. Uh, I, for instance, would rather spend a night killing a bottle of bourbon with Freud rather than with Jung. That's my personal druthers, and it's only my personal druthers. Trying to be fair when dealing with psycho lefties is a sucker's game. Okay, Bob, fair enough. But I think Freud would would be very pleased to know you'd rather kill a bottle of bourbon with him than with Jung. Jung, like, is always talking smuck. He's always like, "Oh well, maybe you didn't come over to uh, Heisterstrasse." That wasn't really German, but sounded kind of German. Close, close enough. Close enough, John. There is a uh, I, I know he's austrian i'm saying the language it sounded german at the end the austrian accent and german accent's the same you know what the old joke is right the greatest thing that uh the, the greatest thing that the germans ever accomplished um was, i'm sorry the greatest thing the austrians ever accomplished i was about to mess up the whole joke the greatest thing the austrians ever accomplished was that uh hitler was german and beethoven was viennese <laughs> yeah not true not tr- John doesn't like that one. I, I think it's a pretty good one. Oh, there's a mosquito. John was waving me off like, no. I'm like, what? I thought that's pretty good. But apparently uh, it was a mosquito. Oh, true, st- true story today. I need to train myself to stop saying true story. It makes it sound like my other stories are fake. I was in a star. I was in a Starbucks. You're like, why are you in a Starbucks? Buck? No, 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 no. I'm drinking my black rifle coffee, black slash buck. Of course. But I need to get these little sous vide egg bites in the morning. And the only thing that's open At five forty-five or whatever, when I go in, are the the only the only thing that's open is Starbucks. So I go and get these little sous vide egg bites, which are delicious, by the way. Uh, I didn't think they would be. They look like little egg hockey pucks. I used to talk smack about them, John. When you're starving and you've got like four hours of you know morning show stuff to prep and do, they're really good. But I was in the Starbucks, and. I, I saw a mosquito and I figure I hate mosquitoes. I've had mosquitoes keep me up a whole night from the. You know, I'm waging a one man war for the eradication of mosquitoes. I don't care what it would do to like the, the pyramid of, of animals and eating other animals. And st- I don't care. The whole world comes crumbling down. We've got to take out mosquitoes, they're a menace. But I, I tell you something this is the truth. I, I killed a mosquito. You know, of course. No, no, that's not the part of the story that's good, John. But I, I like, caught it, you know, Mr. Miyagi-style, like, in my hand. And it exploded. And I realized someone else, like, other people's blood now was all over my hand. Felt very unsanitary. Felt very unsanitary. And then, like a vampire, I licked it with my tongue. And, no, that's super gross. I know. I'm just trying John, I'm messing with you! I, but this is all true up until the licking with my tongue part. I then had to wash my hand off. But here's what I understand. Uh, shouldn't that... I, I, I guess... I feel like mosquito. Well, no, they do. They do transfer a lot of diseases. So it was really unsanitary. But think about that. I literally like had like a little explosion of random stranger's blood in my hand in Starbucks today because I killed the mosquito. When you really think about it, then then you 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 get creeped out, as I did, as I did. All right, all right. I, I got to get back into the roll call, John. We're going to come back with uh, with more of everyone's thoughts. Officialteambucketgmail.com. That's how we are going to do. That's how we're going to get get to it. Um, if you want to send me an email, please do and uh stay with me.
0: Team Buck, it's time for roll call.
1: Really, John, you went with that one for Friday? You know, that's like the weak Rolling Stones ripoff. That's what DJ John goes with. OK, it's all right, man. I see you're just trying to send me off the weekend all bummed out. So uh, so here here we go. Uh, we have more of our, our in our inbox here. Official team at One of my favorite things here from all of you. Best part of the show. And so now we can do that. Here's what Lindsay writes in on my quote about how MDs have egos too. Lindsay writes. I'm a doctor, Buck. And I find it very helpful to get feedback regarding second opinions. I work at an academic hospital, so often I am the second opinion. However, in more challenging cases, medicine may be just educated guesswork. I take no offense at all if my patient requests a second or third opinion, but it's certainly helpful to me to know the outcome of those cases so that I can help patients in the future. Well, yeah, shields high, Lindsay. Well, Lindsay, look, that's, I would hope that's the approach that all MD's take right I would hope they would just want to get the it's it's what's best for the patient it's about being right and uh there you have it um I also got a I got a message here that says wow uh okay I got an email this is a real thing apparently there is an inmate that according to the Department of Corrections would like to open a line of communication with this email box and I have to accept. I don't know, John, I'm going to give this one some thought because first of all, is this a Russian phishing scam? I don't know. Right. That's everyone's paranoid about that today, obviously. So, you know, is this really some guy named Oleg who's but that's kind of a weird way. Like, hey, do you want to talk to a Yeah, exactly. Dude, Quinn. We have Quinn open all the mail, all the boxes that are making ticking noises. That's our producer. That's producer Mike's job. We're gonna give that to producer Mike. Uh, An inmate has invited you to begin e-messaging. Well, thank you, inmate. We will let Mike handle this one. And hopefully we can begin our our messaging. Chuck, not to be confused with Buck. uh, Republicans are wimps. This would not be happening if Republicans had immediately. Uh hung the shooting at the baseball diamond around the Democrats. Now they're uh, instead of the Dems have blamed the Republicans for the violence perpetrated against Republicans. Now they're in the position of squeaking. No, no, it's not me. It's you. Very, very, very weak. I like the high road, but once the bombs start falling, you either fight to win or you're just freaking surrendering. Once again, uh, the Republicans sought for some middle ground, sought some honor. Not a good idea. Chuck from Grand Rapids. Well, thank you, Chuck from Buck. By the way, guys, if you have not already, my Freedom Hut podcast is up. It's where you, it, we put in the same stream with the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I had a, a, a hilarious and really fun, insightful conversation with Ann Coulter. We just kind of let it rip for a while. And Commie Bear appears. So it, it, it's great weekend listening. If you haven't already checked it out, please, please do. And also, if you get a chance, uh, hill.tv rising is my new show. And strikeforceenergy.com, folks. Every time you put in promo code BUCK, you are voting for the show. And you're also, every time you buy some Strike Force, you are sending Strike Force to troops overseas because they have a matching program where when you buy, they will send. So please, StrikeforceEnergy.com and promo code BUCK. Uh, that's going to be it for this edition in uh, the Buck Sexton Show. Have a fantastic weekend. I will see you Monday live from the swamp. Shields high.